0: Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. A lot of people
1: might not know this, but at one point, the KKK pretty much ran Oakland. And for a long time, white men and big business had control over City Hall. That's a different picture than what we see today. And one reason is because how people were able to vote changed. And that change, it started with activists hitting the streets and campaigning for the power to represent their own neighborhoods in city politics.
2: I think a lot of people forget that there was a lot of blood and sweat and tears that went into like giving us the ability to cast a ballot and to cast a meaningful ballot,
1: right? This is our series by the people about how democracy operates in the spaces around us and where you can plug in. Today, how black organizers changed how we elect local leaders in Oakland. I'm Devin Kadiyama, welcome to the Bay.
0: support for kqed podcasts comes from star one credit union now offering real-time money movement with instant pay make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions online or through star one's mobile app star one credit union in your best interest
2: prior to the 1980s political power in oakland was definitely concentrated uh, in the hands of the white population predominantly white homeowners who voted Republican.
1: Darwin Bond-Graham is the news editor for The Oakland Side. It was a much more
2: conservative city compared to, like, San Francisco, for example. The business interest in the city and the majority of the population, you know, up through World War II, they repeatedly elected city councils that were moderate to conservative, very pro-business, and just totally lacking in the diversity that the city had.
1: Let's talk about that city population a little bit. How did the demographics on the council stack up against who was living in Oakland at the time?
2: Really, case in point is West Oakland. In the 1960s, 1970s, West Oakland becomes a majority black neighborhood in the city. Um, That was district three at the time, it still is. They did not have a black representative um, for many years. They had a white representative on the city council. The um, viewpoints that a lot of black West Oaklanders had about city policies like you know housing, things like rent control, uh, jobs, and especially around issues of policing, because the 60s and 70s in Oakland, that was the big, one of the big issues that people split in terms of how they voted.
0: Oakland's all-white police department earned a reputation for head-knocking brutality that has left a well-remembered
2: legacy of bitterness in the minds and hearts of many who lived in that time. The 1960s in Oakland is, you know, a period of confrontation um, between the black population and the police department in Oakland. It's also a period of, you know, social movements like the anti-war movement Um, in in Berkeley, but also in Oakland, where there's a lot of confrontations um, with the people who are running the city. The The motor force for change in Oakland in the 60s and 70s through to the present, really, was the black population.
0: If we run around uh, telling our story, then the Oakland police and uh, district attorney will fabricate Uh, prosecution around the things that we say.
2: At first, a lot of activists started out thinking that they wanted a revolution, they wanted to confront the system, they wanted to bring down the system. At a certain point, some of these activists realized that they could actually seize power and they could do it through electoral politics. Um, But to do that, they ran up against the city's electoral system, which was actually literally designed to disempower certain populations that lived in concentrated areas of the city.
1: By this time in the 1970s, white people had started moving out to the suburbs and the black and Latino populations continued moving in. And as Oakland grows more and more diverse, a political consciousness also starts to stir. Even some of the white people in Oakland are becoming more progressive. But most of the political power is still held by white men in Oakland, and that's because of the city's at-large elections.
2: At-large elections essentially blocked Black people and Latinos in particular from having any representation on city council. And what that means is candidates were nominated and they ran for city council to represent a district in the city, and that's a specific geographic area, but everyone else in the city got to vote for who represented that district. And so it meant that the largest group of voters in the city, which was more moderate and white and lived in the hills areas of Oakland, they got to basically pick the representative for West Oakland who was really representing the smaller district that is predominantly black and much lower income majority renter. So if you had, you know racial residential segregation, where you had, you know, black people concentrated in West Oakland and deep East Oakland, Latinos really concentrated in the Fruitvale, vale, and the Chinese uh, population concentrated in Oakland Chinatown, it really meant that they had no power to change things until they first confronted that, that structure that was preventing them from gaining representation uh, in City Hall.
1: Black organizers spend years testing Oakland's system of at-large elections, and they do this by running active grassroots campaigns, knocking on doors, and registering black and brown voters at record numbers.
0: The command post for the SEAL campaign is this house in Oakland. Here, a voter analysis board is carefully kept in an effort to determine where SEAL's strength lies and where he must concentrate his greatest efforts. It's also the center for what is proving to be a large and effective precinct organization
2: when Bobby Seale ran for mayor. This is 1973. Bobby Seale goes from being the guy who co-founded the Black Panther Party, which would confront police officers in the street with guns, to becoming the guy who wants to run the city of Oakland and write the budget for the Oakland Police Department.
0: It is the character of the police department as to why so many minority peoples do not want to be on it. If we would put the policeman in school three hours a week one, to learn constitutional rights of the people and with the masses of the people knowing this, and two, taking groups of policemen down to the community after they have been made to live here, then we would build a more community-based police department, plus we begin to get more minorities on the police department.
2: SEAL and Elaine Brown and the Panthers, they successfully go out and they knock on all these doors and they register all these poor voters and they really, they really energize um, the working-class population of Oakland to go to the polls and vote and they make these alliances with white progressives and with other racial groups and they win so many votes in the first round that the large corporations then that kind of had a lot of influence in city hall
0: they really freaked out they're gonna know the republican administration that watergate system is gonna know that from here on in we ain't backing up no. We're right
2: He ends up losing, but what Bobby Seale did was he proved that you could mobilize working class voters, voters of color, build an alliance with white progressives, and you actually could probably win. And that ends up happening um, just a few years later in 1978, when Lionel Wilson, he decides to run for mayor, and he, he, you know, he very much benefits from the coalition that the Black Panthers built. And so he's able to kind of topple the old political regime that ran Oakland for many, many decades.
1: While Black activists poured their energy into grassroots campaigns to elect their own candidates, they had a larger goal to fundamentally change how Oakland voters elect their leaders. Alongside their new advocates in City Hall, activists helped put Measure H on the ballot in 1980 which would change at-large voting to district-based voting.
2: Measure H didn't come out of nowhere. There were several prior attempts to get rid of at-large voting in Oakland, but they failed each time. Um, And they failed because the Oakland Tribune at the time, it had this near monopoly on the city's media landscape. Every time there was a ballot measure that would bring back um, district voting, the Tribune would always say, "Oh, you don't want to do that. That'll return us to the bad old days of ward bosses and these corrupt, like, ethnic politicians who, you know, run things at the neighborhood level." You know, by the 1970s, um, a lot has changed, and so when the idea of moving back to district-based voting um, is proposed again in the late 1970s. It's, there's no longer really much resonance when people at the newspaper or elsewhere say, oh, we don't wanna go back to the bad old days. Well, you know, it's pretty obvious to a lot of voters right then that actually things are really bad because they don't have district elections. There's no local, there's no like hyper-local political power where anyone can say, hey, my neighborhood should have representation in city hall. There's a hunger by 1980. Measure H is passed by an overwhelming majority. 44,000 voters voting yes and 28,000 people voting no.
1: So what changed in Oakland after this measure passes? What were some of the biggest consequences of it?
2: After Measure H, the council becomes like genuinely racially diverse for the first time and you just see a lot of different voices. And actually women start getting elected also a lot more to the city council. And that, the, the gender thing may not have been tied so much to Measure H. There may have just been like a broader transformation um, of society that Measure H is like one component of. And you know, the feminist movement is also kind of like part of that larger transformation for greater democracy for everyone.
1: So it sounds like there was a lot that changed in the years after 1980, at least on the on the Oakland council. I'm curious, are there things you look at in Oakland politics today, even thinking about the latest election, and and you think, you know, that wouldn't have been possible without district voting, without Measure H?
2: Yeah, I think if you look at a lot of Oakland's housing laws, for example, um, it would be a lot more difficult for tenants to have power in Oakland and it would be a lot more difficult to pass or improve on things like rent control, for example, or just cause for eviction regulations if there wasn't district voting. And that's mainly because the flatland areas of Oakland are lower income and majority renter, but they also traditionally have the lowest voter turnout. And the hills areas are more affluent and more homeowner. And so there's probably less likelihood to support things like strong rental regulations um, amongst, those, amongst those groups, but they have the highest voter turnout, right? If Oakland had never switched to district elections, it's unclear that um, rent control, which was passed also in 1980 in Oakland, by the way, um, it's unclear that things like that would have been strengthened over time. And it's it's definitely the case that there probably wouldn't have been um, as much willingness on the city council to address the Oakland Police Department over the last few decades had there not been district elections.
1: What issues did district voting not solve?
2: It really didn't solve a lot of things. It's, it's important to point out what it did do that was great. It, di- it, it created some real genuine diversity in in local government and that's a big deal, right? But it certainly didn't dilute the the power of money in politics and it remains a city beset by some really serious and complex problems that haven't been overcome despite the fact that we have good, um, genuine, diverse local representation on the city council. Part of that might also be because Right around the same time of Measure H, in the early 80s, that's the immediate aftermath of Proposition 13, which just kind of pulled the rug out from under a lot of local governments
1: in California. In terms of raising money through property taxes for basic things in government, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so it's, it's this really ironic moment, right? Um, the late 70s, early 80s is like, in Oakland at least, It's the culmination of this long multi-decade effort to create a better democracy and get better representation on city council and at the very moment it's achieved and at the very moment that um, black and latino and other groups can get on city council and make decisions and write the budget well all of a sudden you have less money in your budget you know and the problems um, that you're confronting are still just as serious if not getting worse
1: One last question. Why do you think the story of how people changed uh, how local elections work in Oakland is so important?
2: It's important that we know where the systems that we engage with are coming from. Um, A lot of people take voting for granted in, in some respect, like we get to vote and this is how we vote and this is who we vote for. And I think a lot of people forget that there was a lot of blood and sweat and tears that went into like giving us the ability to cast a ballot. And to cast a meaningful ballot, right? If we went back to the at-large system, a lot of the ballots, a lot of the votes in Oakland, they just wouldn't count as much. And they count a lot more today because people, you know, 30, 40, Plus years ago, they fought really hard, they organized.
0: We did some work today that would blow most people's minds. Right on. Right. <laughs>
2: they knocked on a lot of doors, they registered a huge number of voters.
0: You yourselves, all of the precinct workers, all the work you did today. Right
2: they energized people's imaginations about what was possible, and they transformed things. And here we are now, and our votes matter more, and we have more more, and better representation at the local level.
1: Darwin, that was beautiful. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Decades after Black Oaklanders got the city to switch from at-large to district-based voting, The state passed the California Voting Rights Act in 2001. Under this law, people can bring lawsuits against cities across the state to do the same thing that Black Oaklanders did in 1980.
2: So since that law was passed, we've seen dozens of cities up and down the state be confronted with that by um, private attorneys, civil rights attorneys, um, civil rights groups. And there's just been a big transformation and a lot of cities have been pushed to adopt um, district-based elections and abandon the old at-large system.
1: Thanks to Darwin Bon-Graham, news editor for The Oakland Side. We'll leave you a link to his full story in our episode notes. This episode of our By the People series was produced by Erica Cruz-Guevara, Kiana Mogadam, myself, and our editor, Alan Montesilio. The Bay is local news to keep you rooted. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Talk to you next time.